This episode of the Ministry of Misfits podcast and this awesome shirt are brought to you by a Courageous Clothing Company. Courageous Clothing Company is a Christian family-owned business that specializes in custom designs that they create as well as bulk screen printing of your custom designs as well. When you buy from Courageous Clothing Company, you're not just buying an awesome shirt. You also are helping spread the gospel across the world through the missions that they support, such as this here with Ministry Misfits, as well as with their own designs that have Christian-themed messages sharing the gospel in an awesome and relevant way, or as we say within CSRM and Ministry Misfits, strategically relevant evangelism. Check out their entire line at CourageousClothingCompany.com. everybody welcome to the ministry misfits podcast my name is brandon simmons and i am joined today by our founder here andrew fouts of ministry misfits himself welcome we Andrew, to your own show we agreed to supreme overlord as the title oh you, as your you, official title yeah okay. we agreed to supreme overlord during the break how did you already forget that i'm sorry if that that uh, yeah. goldfish memory is kicking in right now i know yeah. Well, today we got a special portion of our episode where we're actually going to interview Andrew and learn a little bit more about himself, what he's currently um, gone through in his life experiences, how he started Ministry Misfits, and kind of what his vision and goals are for everything moving forward. So we're flipping the script a little bit today on you, Andrew. How's that feel? Good. I don't have to do as much work. Well, you might still have to do some of the editing and stuff, but we'll... Uh, We'll deal with that later behind yeah, the scenes. That's true. <laughs> so take us a step back. Um, how did you start your calling into ministry? Because I, I know you've told me a little bit about it before. And so I'm going to have you step back into maybe your early childhood age and kind of where you felt ministry come knocking. Yeah, so my call to ministry actually starts at really 11 months old. Um, I had a febrile seizure that knocked me unconscious, which is pretty common for, for infants, um, except for that I was unconscious for, I think they said eight hours, um, which I'm the only medical case my neurologists have been able to find of that actually happening. Um, during that time, my my parents had one of those Hannah prayer moments of, you know, give, give us our son back. We give him back to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew nothing about any of this until like the day before high school graduation, or maybe it was the day before the wedding. I don't remember which it was that my mom shared all of this, <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that is kind of where it all started. You know, we, I grew up in those of you that are familiar with Mark Lowry, the uh, bit he does about, you know, when they would wash the windows on Sunday or on Saturday, they would fill the pew. That basically was my family, except for we were also the ones washing the windows, not just there filling the pew. So uh, my mom for a while, I think, was the preschool director. She also ran um, the um, 
children's choir stuff with um miss becky hi miss becky um <laughs> and you know they they ran that my dad was a youth leader for a while he was a deacon he was the youth leader again for a while he uh was the coach for the church softball teams he i mean he we were if if something was happening at the church we were probably there yeah, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit further, because it sounds like you and I both had great parents as examples growing up and um, from our last podcast, hearing a little bit about myself. So you said at an early age, it almost seems like your your life pattern was kind of determined for you. Did you ever have that battle of, all right, I feel like my parents and God have this great plan for me, but that's not what me, Andrew, wants to do. Yeah, so I became a Christian at around five or six. I don't remember exactly. Um, got baptized around 11. I was going to a, a Christian school, um, but nothing really mattered about any of that until the first World Changers trip that I had at 12. Um, there I recommitted my life. The following year um, at 13 is when I received my calling in the ministry and I straight up said, not a chance. <laughs> um, you know, we baseball was going to be the key for me getting, getting to college where we could afford it. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I also, you know, was already somewhat of a standout baseball wise, at least within our area um, for schools and things like that. Um, you know, my, my freshman year of high school, I was in the top 10 for batting average in the state, um, you know, things like that. So baseball was going to be the key, but every year at Metro world changers, Metro changers, God and I had the same conversation of God saying, you're going to do this. And me saying, no, so you're wrestling saying, through, I want to play baseball and God right. saying, I've got a bigger calling in your life. Right. And, and this was where, you know, it, it wasn't until right the summer before my senior year where I finally said, okay, we'll see how this goes. Um, you know, and so my best friend and I had started a prayer group Bible study type thing before schools, before school started. Um, he and I also preached a couple of the chapel services. Cause again, this was a Christian school. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that is as it, and as weird as it sounds for being a Christian school, it was kind of unheard of at the time for there to be just a student-led Bible study that met before school started. But we we felt like we should be doing that after some of the things that we had seen during the summer with some of our friends and things like that. And so, like, we need we need to be doing this. So that was um, kind of the groundbreaking portion of your ministry was, it was starting a trial, at the school. Even right. though you went yeah. to a Christian school, it was a, a way to minister um, to students and kind of get a little bit deeper. Yeah. It was a trial period. Um, you know, baseball was still the number one priority to get me where we were needing to go. Yep. Um, at this point, you know, I had been invited to, uh, the baseball America showcase that summer before, um, I was invited to a tryout with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, we were doing, you know, different showcase events here and there with some different schools. And the, the answer that kept coming back was always, you're too slow for a catcher. 
and your your arm is a little bit too weak so you need to just go find some place that will that will bring you on that has a weight program build up your body strength and then come back and talk to us so hearing that news did that challenge you to want to continue to work further or did you feel like that was god kind of giving you a sign of all right maybe i need to lessen myself a little bit what it did was very much of a matter of if i'm going to be doing this then that means that god is going where the first person that you know a school that's actually going to offer is going to be where i i'm meant to be going so you're not Um, originally from ohio for those that no my my dad is my dad actually is from canton my grandparents still live here in canton um you know, that, that kind of leading into it, you know, the only reason I applied to Malone was because my grandfather was bugging me too. Um, (laughs) because they, you know, eight hours away, they don't want to, you know, they had seen a lot of our games and stuff like that, but it would be different if, you know, I was just down the street as opposed to eight hours away. Um, so I applied just to get them off my back. Um, when we got the acceptance letter, um, we were surprised that there was a little bit of an academic scholarship with it, which we assumed probably was a mistake. Um, and so we uh, were like, well, we'll go see what it is scheduled to try out um, for baseball there. Um, but the, the thing that stood out first to me was that one of the options for, you know, incoming students as far as majors was sports ministry which I had not ever seen or heard of before. Yeah, I was going to say, most um, universities or college, that's not a typical degree that you can go into. Right. So you didn't find that till after you had been accepted, correct? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I found that on the application. Okay. Um, those of side note, small commercial, those of you that are interested in this degree, let us know the Agone, Insti- the Agone Institute through CSRM is still doing all of this, this work to get people degrees, whether it's just certification whether it's you're looking for an associate degree, a bachelor's, master's, even a doctoral degree, um, let us know, you know, contact us here at Minister Misfits. We'll get you set up with, with David Waddell and Dr. Linville, and they'll be able to walk you through the rest of the process. Or if you go to CSRM.org or overwhelmingvictory.org, you'll be able to get the information there as well. But side note. Um, great. So you said at 13, you felt this calling at a very early age to go into ministry Right. And now you're transitioning into your freshman year of college, about to start a, a new opportunity where you're both playing baseball and trying to figure out your career. Did you feel God's voice or hear that um, on going into sports ministry? Like what made you choose that specific major on the application? Yeah. So everywhere else I was applying, um, I had pretty much selected sports management as the option. Um you know, theology, the theology department was not something I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it may maybe take it as a minor here and there because I've always liked, you know, the study of scripture in general. Yeah. But the idea of going into theology was not on the radar. Um, it wasn't actually until after I, you know, we, we get to Malone for the visit Um the tryout I had, I had the best pop time and 60 yard time that I've ever had in any of the tryouts. Um, hitting was a little bit off, but I also had just been in the car for eight hours. So, you know, we'll yeah. just count that as a muscles win. a little tighter there. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll just say that, um, you know, was offered um, the last bit of money that the school had for baseball. 
Um, and so we signed with them, but the, the big swing factor, <laughs> swing factor, um, <laughs> big swing factor was when I went and walked into Greg Linville's office for the first time. So um, what was it like meeting Dr. Linville for that first time? What, um, made you, for lack of a better term to kind of attracted to his presence and want to pursue a degree with what he was teaching. I wouldn't say I was attracted to his presence and he knows this very <laughs> well. So I'm not going to get in trouble because those of you that have had Greg in class know that when he gets into his academic setting, first, the first time in there, you're like, this is going to be torture because he talks very slow and deliberate and, you know, it seems like we're just going to be here forever. And the first interaction I had with him was they had kind of messed up his scheduling a little bit. And so I was supposed to meet with him at this time. I got shifted to another time, but they didn't realize the time they shifted it to was when he was supposed to be teaching a class. <laughs> and so he took me with him to his class. And so I watched him do the introduction to the class. And then he handed him a test and walked out of the room to meet with me. Um, and, you know, we were just talking a little bit about some of the stuff and they said, okay, stop right there and walk with me again. And so I figured he's got to go collect the test. And he walked me across the, across to a different office to Dr. Quigley's office and introduces me to Dr. Quigley. And he said, this is the guy that's in charge of all the youth ministry stuff. I'm in charge of sports ministry stuff. And you're now going to go change and you're doing both. Oh, so you just really didn't have an option and at that yeah, point. Yeah, it, it was, was very much a... Hey, this is what we're going to do for you. Right. It was very much a God's going to, you know, because, you know, God had... I had been saying no to God for five, six years. Finally said yes and kind of was defaulted into some different chaplaincy style positions, even in high school. And then when I get to college, there it's a, you're going to do this. Now, for you, and, was that a time of surrender where you're like, yes, here it is? Uh, was it being naive that you're just kind of a freshman in college not knowing any better? I honestly don't remember that it was anything like that. I think it was just more of like, uh, okay. <laughs> they like, know I know what so. they're doing, so I'm yeah. going to trust okay. you. Yeah, they're the guys yeah. with the degrees. Yeah. So, well, uh, yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break here real quick, and uh, we'll get back to knowing a little bit more about Andrew. Life is too short to live it feeling stuck in a rut. Does your outlook on future possibilities have you asking, is this all there is? Maybe you feel that no matter what you do, your career does not seem to make any significant progress or impact. Maybe your family feels more distant from you than ever. The, the truth is, there is so much more for your life, and you are not alone. Beyond the Rut podcast brings you stories of inspiration and practical tips to help you get unstuck in the areas of faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. From those who have journeyed those paths before you. Head over to beyondtherut.com where you'll find episodes to the show, links to where we are syndicated like on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and download our free resource titled Measure It to Make It, where you can create the roadmap for the life you've always dreamed of living beyond the rut. Hey everyone, this is Joshua Knoll with The Whole Church Podcast. Today I'm here with my co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Yeah, uh, we just wanted to take a moment to tell you about our show. 
Uh, we are a weekly show and we talk to leaders in various churches with different backgrounds about what makes their churches unique and how we can all come together as the whole church. And once a month, we'll examine different passages of the Bible that have historically been argued over. That way we can see how we can have better unity and a diversity of beliefs. Right. We look forward to having you join us next Tuesday by searching for our show, The Whole Church Podcast, wherever you are listening now. Hi, this is the Ministry Misfit, Andrew Fouts. I'm also the Director of Digital Resources for CSRM and the producer of Overwhelming Victory Productions. And today we want to talk a little bit about Anchor FM. Part of our job here at Overwhelming Victory Radio is to provide ministries with easy and affordable ways to create their own media content. And one of these ways is Anchor FM. Anchor is a free one-stop studio with tools to allow you to create a custom podcast experience. They do everything from creation tools, distribution tools, and even marketing tools with ads such as this. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Your message matters, my friend. And as a believer in the marketplace, your God-given uniqueness is a huge business asset. Like the flamingo, you need to learn to ignore the naysayers, rise above the noise, dream bigger, and embrace the bold color and giftings you've been given. I'm Katie Horner, missionary advocate, international business owner, best-selling author, and Christian business strategy coach. And it's my great pleasure to bring you the For Your Success podcast over to your favorite podcast app every week. I'll be showing you how to design a business you love, one that honors God while it grows your income and legacy impact. Join me for short, thought-provoking episodes and register for our next free Kingdom Business class at foryoursuccesspodcast.com. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Ministry Misfits podcast. Uh, We're actually learning a little bit more about Andrew today, and so far we've heard about even 11 months old, just kind of his dedication to Christ from his parents and the upbringing there to at 13 years old, feeling this calling into ministry and then stepping into Malone, uh, playing baseball and then just starting off in a uh, sports ministry uh, career. So Andrew, take us kind of then to the end of your time at Malone and where that was kind of launching you into ministry and what those next steps were. Yeah, well, actually, we need to kind of address my college years as well with all okay, this it doesn't let's really make sense without it so yeah let's hear it um freshman year first day of spring training uh blew out my my knee which if you're a catcher you know that kind of defeats the purpose of being a catcher yeah you're um, important yeah had to have reconstructive surgery um so i spent you know most of freshman year on on crutch or second semester freshman year on crutches Um, but that second semester specifically is where a lot of things started. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, the idea of needing to, and really this is where you're at right now, defining your calling, Mm -hmm. you know, what is it that God's actually calling you to do? I already kind of had gone through that process because for five years I had been saying no and no and no. And then (laughs) God forced Dr. Linville onto me. And then suddenly there was a name attached to what the calling was. And so that the definition of ministry was kind of there, you know, I knew it was going to be related to, to athletes and athletics. I knew it was going to be related, related to outreach. And I knew it was going to be re- related to the 
you know, the youth side of it yep. was much more of the, and it's going to be directed much more towards families. And most of the time it's going to be directed towards the, the families that are kind of forgotten about, um, you know, the, the holy discontent stuff, you know, we talked to this, I talked with Corey and Rachel about this a little bit, you know, we share a similar discontent in the fact that it's the people that are marginalized that are the ones that we are, that we always are looking for and looking to yes. go after and that they're the ones that are needing it. And so we had kind of this defined idea of who ministry was, who the ministry was for. And we even kind of had an idea of what the, the outlets of it were going to be. It was going to be sports. It was going to be families, going to be outreach, you know, th- those sort of areas. So as you mentioned, we, did you mean you and Dr. Linville? Um, Me and, and God. Wife? You and, and God, God, there you go. Yes, yes. Um, you know, but then when I blew out my knee, um, this was also the year that we had like two inches of ice every other day. <laughs> um, you know, we talked last week or last week about you being in PGB. I was in Duval, which was a much better facility than PGB because yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing no else about that. Yeah. yeah. But the bad thing about Duval is that there are no elevators whatsoever. And I was on the third floor of this hall and was like one of the only students within the dorm. It seemed like that was from out of state and could not go home over the weekend. And so probably crawl up these stairs. Then the majority of the, a lot of first semester freshman year was spent not being able to go to class because I couldn't navigate my way across campus on crutches when there's two inches of ice. Although now I'm thinking, I, thinking about later, I could have probably, if I had unscrewed the rubber part and gotten the spikes, that may have helped, but you know. That could be yeah. your, your next side business for you. Yeah, there, there you go. That's how we'll, ice, that's how we'll finance, that's how we'll finance this. That's right. Um, you're, you're the salesman. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, Class-wise, there was a lot of them I could not attend. Um, and then in addition to that, on the weekends, everybody is gone. And so I'm the only one left on the third floor of a building with no elevator. So did you um, feel like your identity was slowly starting to change where maybe growing up, you felt like I'm a baseball player. You said that the Phillies were um, a potential option or at least looking at you. And then now not you're... An I- not an identity issue. It was much more of a, what am I doing here? sort of setting. Um, during that time, also the few classes I was able to attend, um, I was starting to notice that this whole idea of ministry misfit of what it looked like was, I was kind of an outcast within the multiple areas that I was in because within the theology department, it was expected that you weren't playing sports anymore. Mm, yeah. Don't know it's, hard why. To, it's hard to do both. Right. Honestly, but it's no different career, than, but it can be done. Right. It's no different than any other department, but for some reason, the idea of if you're in the theology department, you quit your sports team and just focus on theology. Um, You know, within the athletic department, it was very much, you know, why would you go do the theology stuff if you're within the athletic department? Um, So I was already kind of trying to find where I bridge in both of those, those arenas but then on top of that, when you're isolated in your room with no food and no water for you know months on end, the depression started to sink in. And so much, you know, my my story much more identif- ministry story identifies much more with guys like Jeremiah, hmm. not like Isaiah. You know, you we talked last week. 
you're a good example of, you know, it may not be an Isaiah, if here I am, send me moment, but it was very much of, okay, God, if you're saying this is where we're going to go, we're going to go do this. And we don't know yes. what it looks like, but we're going to go do this. Mine was very much of, I'm not going to do this. God saying, you're going to do it. Just get over it. I finally say yes. And now I'm stuck in a room by myself with a knee that's the size of a beach ball. You know, I can't eat until my roommates come back on mon- on Sunday night. And in addition to all this, the few classes I am able to attend, I'm getting thrown out of classes for asking questions of the professors, um, whether it's, you know, theology or not. Um, you know, one professor in particular within one of the intro, I think it was an intro to literature class, you know, one of those gen eds that everybody has to take, even though nobody yep. wants to. Um, where, you know, I was called a racist, sexist, bigoted, faggot, or uh, factist pig and a Bible thumper. This is a Christian university. I was being labeled a Bible thumper by professors. Um, kind of ironic. You'd think, but it, this is how it was going. And so it was very much of uh, why am I here if, the, you know, I finally said yes, and this is what is happening. Yeah. And this and it makes you think a little bit deeper of years before you felt like God was calling you to Malone. And then you, when you're in the middle of it, the thick of it there, you start questioning, am I supposed to be here at all? Right. And a lot of it, you know, we, we are able to see later that this was a, a matter of, you know, a lot of people within, but the, the reason why the majority of, of ministers go to college to get a bachelor's and that's normally where they kind of find their calling. And then it's the master's degree, you know, seminary is where they really refine it and they refine the skills and they refine all this other stuff. My defining of it happened before I got to Malone. Yeah. And so my bachelor's period was much more of God was refining. And in some cases, it felt like a literal fire. I'm sure. So talk us through a little bit more of that isolation period where you just feel very alone, um, a lot of questioning, self-doubt. What then did God do to help push you through that? Yeah, so uh, a lot of it was just, you know, a lot of it, does, Greg, Greg was a big piece of it. Um you know, we, I had Greg, I had Quigley. Um, well, they had by, to be, they, they set up your career yeah, for you. About to say, they got me into this mess. They got to get me out of it. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, there was a little bit of support there, but a lot of it was much more of a, if I'm, if you're, you know, if you're doing this, we're going to get through it, but you're going to have to actually get me through this. Hmm. And so it was very much a more of a, okay, you know, I don't like the term deconstruction because it sounds way worse. It's used in a much more broad term to talk about people that leave the faith. Yeah. Um, I do like, you know, we talked all right, the bless up podcast, Corey and Rachel and James, um, they did a little mini series on their idea of deconstructing, but they format it in a much better way to where I'm okay using that word to talk about it right now. Uh, where it's un or, you know, the Yoda idea of you must unlearn what you have learned all of that of which is challenging. Yes. And this is why, you know, this is one of the things, again, uh, those of you that haven't listened to Corey and Rachel's podcast, bless up. If you guys want to go back, pause our recording, go back and listen to their ones on, on recon deconstructing and reconstructing. 
part of what they talked about was the idea of normally when you deconstruct without a community, that's when faith kind of goes out the window because you don't have anything grounding yourself on. The ironic thing for me, and, and they talked about how Malone actually was their community to do it. And so that's part of why they were able to rebuild. The ironic yeah. thing for me was that Malone was the one deconstructing my faith, but the community was the one deconstructing my faith. I didn't have a community. You know, I wasn't able to join any churches in the area because we were, you know, we were an NCAA school. We had games on Sunday. I was even, I was the chaplain for the baseball team. So there was no way I'm, I'm able to join a church. Yeah. The theology, like there's so many things up against you. Right. To, you know, I had, I have good friends within the theology department. So don't, we don't need any nasty letters. You guys are my friends. Don't worry. But <laughs> I was not necessarily part of the theology group because I was still an athlete, whether it was conscious or not. I was not a part of the athletic group because I was in the theology department, whether it was conscious or not. And so it really was just me and God sitting there trying to figure out what was going on. You know, um, Greg, unfortunately, was kind of forced out halfway through. Um, Quigley was the only one that only professor really that was there to come alongside me. I was even at one point without an advisor for most of my time there at Malone. Um, and so it really was just a matter of, okay, if I actually believe this about who God is, about what scripture says, and I believe that scripture is my authority, mm -hmm. then this is what I believe. So it doesn't matter, you know, the whole idea of do we fear God or fear man, it doesn't matter what the grade is, because if I actually believe this, then I should be willing to actually put this out there. Yeah. So what was that? foundational belief that once everything was gone and stripped away from you, that you really relied on to continue forward. You know, Jesus as Lord is the supreme underlying foundation, you know, going into our three tiers, you know, the, the theological truth of Christ at the center has to be where it starts, but then the rest of it all has to be built upon the fact if Christ is Lord and Christ is the one that has, you know, and we have his word here in front of us, then scripture is the ultimate authority on these issues. Yes. Um, and so, you know, at the time I, I knew about the three tiers because, you know, Greg taught it in class, but it wasn't something that really I ever knew how to describe, but it was something that already was affecting my worldview and affecting my thinking of the fact that everything was built out of these theological truths. Yeah, so you built so up this we, and then we foundation on these things. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, like you said, you already feel like a misfit at that part. And that kind of carries you into um, the podcast. The, the name so. kind of is, is starting to stick out to people a little bit now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So after, after college, um, you know, I met my wife there, which, um, you know, we can maybe talk the story of how Micah and I met and, you know, the whole marriage thing, which is another piece of my calling, but one that we don't have time for today. So we maybe we'll hit that up some other time. Yeah, let's go back um, to that some other time, because there's yeah. a lot of good stuff in there of how you guys both right. help support each other. Right. And also the, yeah. the calling of ministry. Um, again, like you said, with my wife and I, and also uh, you right. and Micah. Well, of, maybe um, we'll, maybe we'll force Emily and Micah onto the show at some point. Um, but, you know, we, you know, the, the first place that we went, we were still having to, there were some issues we won't go into fully as far as even for me to get my degree um, due to a lot of these misfit blackballing labels that I had kind of gotten thrown onto me during my time there. 
um, we, we started out at a church um, trying to rebuild. Um, we, we also found very early on that vision casting and rebuilding is part of where we're at um, as far as within our gifts. And so we were mm-hmm. trying to rebuild a youth group down there. Um, they unfortunately just could not financially support us. And so like, you guys need to go find someplace that will. Um, we ended up in Cleveland for about two or three years. Um, again, it was rebuilding and planting and in these inner city multi-ethnic communities. And unfortunately what we found there was again, a lot of stuff we talked about with Corey and Rachel, we talked about this with Bradley, you know, we, we've talked about this with a few of our guests on the show already of the fact that the idea of doing multi-ethnic ministry is so out there and absurd is, you know, the word that we, we like to use shout to the absurd conference. Um, up soon. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, is that it was not a welcome idea. And so, you know, we just were not able to ever put our feet down. I worked in a couple of schools where, it was the same sort of thing. These schools had these opportunities to grow and do all this stuff, but there were just some minor mistakes that were being made due to the need for financing and business and the business mindset. Yeah. And it, it very clearly was something where it's like, I don't belong here either. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a lot easier said than done a lot of times. And we think on paper, we're going to make this happen. And then you look right. even within our own churches or community and it's challenging. So I want to even take it a wasn't, step back. Yeah, I will. Um, I will say one thing. The one constant through all of that, besides obviously my wife, um, was I, I joined the staff of CSRM in 2017. Um, and, you know, so I've, I've been doing the stuff there. We, we got the CSRM podcast started there. We got the YouTube channel up and running a little bit more smoothly, got the Facebook, Instagram stuff up running a little bit more smoothly. So I was doing that also where there I actually felt like, okay, I'm a part of this while these other places there, it was like, we're just spinning our wheels here. Yep. And you talked about what you feel like one of your spiritual gifts are is the vision and like the vision casting. Talk about what that feels like when you cast the vision or you feel like God's casted a vision for you, but then other people aren't coming alongside that ministry or are there to shut that down. Matthew 10 and Nehemiah and Jeremiah are the places that I typically go to. Um, You know, when, when Jesus commissions in Matthew 10, one of the things he says, you know, don't take stuff with you, do the, you know, go in, preach all this stuff. But one of the things that he also says, like, if they do not accept the message, if they are dead set against this, just pick off the dust and move on to the next town. Mm-hmm. which is much harder to do when kicking off the dust means that we are now back on unemployment. Yeah. When there's finances tied, it really yeah. puts you know, rubber to the road of where my faith when, is. When you look at Jeremiah, you look at the fact God calls him at a young age. Jeremiah keeps on saying no. Jeremiah finally says yes. And then here he is. And every time he preaches the message, he's getting beat or thrown in, thrown in prison. But in the end, he's one of the only prof- major prophets we know of that gets to retire instead of being assassinated. Yeah. So ultimately, um, some you of know, that so there's to- there's a little bit of this. Okay, you know, if I'm having to do do all of this and no one is going to listen, but God's still saying do it, I'm this probably is going to be a long haul. This is not just a short sprint race. Okay, this is a long haul, and so it's a matter of okay, 
this isn't what we've got right here is just a slice. We've got to look big picture of what God's actually doing here. So you um, are a marathon runner and you just didn't know it. You know, it's, you know, the Gim, Gimli's uh, line of, you know, we're, we're good. We're fast over large distances, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and then even in the whole thing with Nehemiah of the idea of, you know, God's telling him to go into this place that's been abandoned and rebuild and he goes and does it. And he's immediately having to build an army on top of building a corps of engineers, because it's not just a matter of, Oh, we're going to go build this wall. And maybe people don't like it, but Oh, well, it's a, people are not, this is what God's saying to do. And it's for a big purpose. So people are not going to like it. Mm -hmm. And so when people don't like it, they make it known that they don't like it, you so know? You, and a, Yeah. I was going to say, you fought a lot of that then <clears throat> kind of leaving Malone and starting churches and going to Cleveland and a couple other churches as well. Um, and then, like you said, ultimately leading to CSRM and, you helping with overwhelming victory flicks and then also ministry misfits. So uh, talk about how that kind of all influenced to where you're at. Yeah. So in 2019, um, we, we lost our daughter, which we've talked about that a few times on here with, with Chalmer. We've at least shared the links to where I've talked about it. Um, and part of what we felt while we were in Cleveland was very similar to what I felt at Malone, where we had a couple of, good friends up there. But for the most part, we were pretty much alone. Um, you know, the people that had sent us up there originally were no longer there. The people that after we left the original place that we had gone to help, they were no longer there. And, you know, we had a good outpouring of support after we lost Carson from third street, from some of Micah's coworkers, from a few of my coworkers from the CSRM network as a whole. But at that point, we were like, okay, we need to just head back down to Canton for 2020 and take a sabbatical, which was not a good year to say, okay, we're just going to just relax in church for a while and just regroup when church only lasted for two months before getting shut down due to COVID. True, um, but none of us would have predicted that. So right. you don't know at the you time. Know, at the same time, it was a good time to be on sabbatical because I did actually have a little bit more time. Um, you know, when, when COVID hit, um, Greg and I were talking about, okay, well, what, what do we do now? Because people are going to be sitting around. What are we going to do? Churches don't know what to do, especially sports ministries don't know what to do because we can't interact with each other. And so that's when Greg was like, well, let me have a talk with some other sports ministers and see what they're doing. And so the first COVID conversation was with Greg and John Longworth, and I believe Jay Martin, and maybe it was Danny Downing. Um, I don't remember exactly. You guys can go back and check that. Um, and Greg sent me the recording, as, and we were like, why don't we do this weekly, at least through the month of May, and just make this an open invitation, and you know, mm -hmm. we'll release the recordings the week after. And so, okay, let's, let's try it. And so that's how the Tuesday Talks kind of got started. And as we started seeing people really latch on and we also saw um, we saw the numbers on the CSRM podcast start to go up because my old MacBook died. And so we had to buy a new one in the middle of the <laughs> pandemic. Um, and now we are suddenly able to do some of the stuff that we had wanted to do, but couldn't. And, you know, Greg and I were talking about, you know, we obviously have a network here with an overwhelming victory. So let's go find some other people that can do this stuff with us. 
and allow the, we'll, we'll be their host. We'll network with them. Let's get this out to people. Cause obviously at least in the midst of a pandemic podcasts are what people are turning to more than anything else other than tiger King. Yes. It's and a so, great opportunity to while you're driving or even just right. do something else to listen so, or even watch videos. You know, so we started the planning process of doing all of it. We had a few roadblocks with, again, domain names are so much fun. Um, <laughs> you know, all of this stuff. And then in December, we were getting ready to launch it. Um, in the midst of all of this, Greg also had me writing a few blogs because we were noticing more and more from people that were claiming to be a part of the church. What we were seeing online was something completely different, whether it was related to the election about to happen whether it was related to the Black Lives Matter movement, whether it was related to even whether or not to mask or not, mm-hmm. whether COVID was a conspiracy or not. And there were very few people that were addressing it and very few actual people from a ministry standpoint actually able to say, this is not what we are supposed to be doing here. Yeah, there's a lot of other noise out there, but really right. and so three tier paradigm some right. of the first things and taking it from a biblical lens. Right. What so are we Greg, supposed to do and respond as Christians? Yeah. So Greg was like, well, you're the one that has more knowledge of this than the rest of us as far as current events and uh, just generational. So write, write it, um, which I, he said I gave him some PTSD after he <laughs> read my – after reading my, my initial draft, he was having flashbacks to how horrible the papers I handed him in college were. Um but, you know, we're, we're looking at, and he's like, you know, these are great. I don't know that they fit within the CSRM bubble though. He's like, I don't, we got to figure out a place for you to be able to do this. And then when the, it was actually the January 6th uh, insurrection at the Capitol, mm-hmm. when we saw that happen, and especially when we saw some of the reasoning that was behind it from, from church leaders, that was when Greg and I were like, you know what? We're doing it. Just get the microphone and do it. You know, and by well, doing that, you mean Ministry Misfits podcast. Mi- yeah, Ministry Misfits. A, yeah, yeah, a platform name, where you can speak yeah. openly about some of these different things that are happening right. in the world. The, the name itself was pretty easy to figure out. Yeah, as we've heard, you've uh, been a misfit you know, for a yeah, lot of yeah. life, and, which is not a bad I, thing. You know, this was actually something I didn't even mention. This was something that Dr. Quigley had kind of warned Micah and I about. And we did some unofficial premarital counseling that was more ministry-related marital counseling with Dr. Quigley in college after we'd gotten engaged. And one of the things he said was, we are going to have to watch and because we're going to have a hard time job-wise because he said, you are too secular for Christians and too Christian for seculars. (laughs) It sounds ironic, but yeah. And he was like, but that's exactly where God's placed you. And so this idea of being a misfit within ministry originally, you know, for a long time, it looked like we were the only ones in this kind of setting because, you know, Corey and Rachel obviously are in this kind of setting, but they had third street going at this point. Yeah. Nobody else that we really were aware of were in this sort of, we're, actually trying to live out the idea of in the world, not of the world. And of, you know, this idea in first Corinthians nine of all things, to all people and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the more Greg and I started talking and interviewing some of our own staff members, 
we realize that the CSRM family is nothing but mis ministry misfits. Everybody in here has been at some point in this position of everybody is saying something different about why we do not fit. And yeah. nobody can agree why they just say we don't. And yet here we are, we're still doing ministry. And now CSRM has this big global impact. So, so we need to have something for people that are in this position right now, guys like Brandon Simmons, they're trying to figure out where do I go now? What do I do? God's saying I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not, I'm not formally trained in ministry. I don't have mm -hmm. a formal thing. not, you know, I just have this holy discontent that something's not right and I need to do something about it. I don't know what that is. How do I actually do this? Yeah. Especially and I think most people, when, when they hear the word misfit, they think as somebody that's isolation or on their own journey. Right. But I like what you talked about is really you do feel like a misfit because you're doing stuff that breaks the mold, but there's still that community around you, which God calls us to be in. It's that just, we have, to, yeah, we have to find that community. Yes. And that that's ideally what we want this podcast to be is a place for that community to finally actually find each other. Absolutely. You know, so that's our goal of everything here is to connect with others in a way and bring on different guests that are doing ministry differently, that they do uh, go against the grain a little bit and hearing how they're impacting others' lives and sharing the gospel. Exactly. All right. Well, Andrew, it was great to get to learn a little bit more about you today and, um, and flip the script a little bit. So I'm, I'm glad to be uh, on the team here and ask you questions a little bit this time. There's also different ways that you guys can support us at home. Um, one of which is buymeacoffee.com forward slash ministry misfits. So if you're like me, I do enjoy a nice cup of coffee. But Andrew, what is your favorite go-to drink? It's buy if you actually go to our page, you'll see that we actually are asking you to buy us a slushy. That's because we you both like, will drink slushy guys. We will both now, do drink you mix slushies. Your slushy. Do you mix your slushy flavors? Depends on where we're at. And depends on the types, you know, there's multiple types of slushy. Maybe this is what we need to do one of our mini sodas on is what really we need to really define a slushy in theological terms. <laughs> there we go. We'll save that for another time. So that's an option. Um, again, buymeacoffee.com forward slash ministry misfits. You can also support us at anchor.fm forward slash ministry misfits. And there's also ways on there too uh, to donate as a F01C3 credit. Also by going to CSRM. No, the F01C3 credit is only through CSRM. Okay, there we go. For this next yes. one here, csrm.org forward slash donate. Uh, click on donate and select Andrew Fouts from the drop down menu. And this will not only support us here at Ministry Misfits, but also the CSRM as a whole as well. And again, as Andrew alluded to, there's also the F1C3 credit for that portion. Yeah, and if you want more information about all of this stuff, you want to check out some of the blogs that we're working on, some of these other stuff, we do have a website. The name is long at the moment because we need a little bit of financial help to get the domain name settled. Um, but if you go to the Facebook page, go to the YouTube channel, go to any of our social media outlets, you guys will be able to find the link there. Um, also, those of you that follow us on Instagram, don't forget to occasionally check our Instagram TV stories. Um, we are working on some mini episodes that will be broadcast there. Um, and, you know, those will be, you know, sometimes random, sometimes on point. 
sometimes a little bit of both because we all know how my mind works and that nothing's on point ever at one time. So, Brandon, thanks for doing this. Thank you for joining the team. Thank you for letting us pick your brain a little bit on uh, everything of how you started Ministry Misfits. And um, we're excited to be Misfits together. And thank you, everyone, for hearing a little bit more about Andrew's story. See you all next week. Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Overwhelming Victory Flicks, Overwhelming Victory Radio, and Ministry Misfits Media. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. Our music is provided by Morning Light Music and is titled Rain. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at ministrymisfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can support Ministry Misfits at anchor.fm forward slash ministry misfits or for a FO1C3 credit by going to csrm.org forward slash donate and selecting Andrew Fouts in the campaign menu. To learn more about Overwhelming Victory or to listen to our sister podcast, visit overwhelmingvictory.org.